Christiformity. It's what it is all about. If you ever asked, what's the Christian life all about? It's about Christiformity. Over the past few weeks, we have been taking a journey together as a church, online and in person. A journey where we have learned that everything in our lives, once we come to Jesus Christ by faith and His grace, we begin a process called Christiformity, where we become more and more and more like Jesus. And we called that walking into the blacksmith shop of God. The moment you become a Christian, you step into that blacksmith shop. And you can either willingly go or the Holy Spirit drags you in there. But one way or the other, we're going to come in with the anvil and the forge. And God begins to work on the metal of our lives. All of us are like a piece of metal when we come to Jesus. He begins to heat us up so He can bend us and mold us into the image of His Son. And we've learned through this series that there's a plan. There's a blueprint. It's not haphazard. It's not random. God is actually using this process to make us more and more like Jesus. And so the question today is, are you becoming more like Jesus? And who is shaping you? How are you being shaped? And are you willingly coming into the blacksmith shop of God or or? Is the Holy Spirit dragging you along? These are all questions that we've tried to answer throughout this series. But today, today we're going to look at another thing. We're going to look at the fact that God, in His providence, in His sovereignty, has decided that the best place for us to grow, to know Him, to live out all of the commands He has for us once we become Christians, the best place for us is the church. The church. Now, The question that comes to the surface is this, what is a church anyway, right? I mean, we throw the word around and certainly there's a familiarity, but oftentimes uh, a great familiarity with something will lead us to great error because uh, sometimes we think we know and we don't know. I remember as a kid, we used to do this thing with our hands and we would make a church. Do you know what I'm talking about? And we would say, here's the church and here's the steeple and you open the doors and there's all the people. And while that seems uh, pretty simplistic, there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, you take the steeple off because uh, some churches have one, some don't. Some of our campuses at Three Circle Church, a couple of them have uh, steeples and, and a couple of them don't. But what is true is that final piece. Church is not about those buildings. We're going to see today that church is about the people. It's about what God's doing in the people. It's not property and brick and mortar and sheetrock and roofs. It's not sound systems. It's not worship styles. It's not locations geographically. The church is not just an organization. It's better described as an organism, a living thing that Jesus died for, that He planned, that He formed, that He loves, the bride of Christ. And you and I are a part of that. See, when you were saved in Christ, you were not just saved from something. You were saved into something. You were saved into this family known as the church. So today we're going to look at why the church is so crucial, so instrumental in our pursuit of Christiformity.
So today as we look at the church and why it's so instrumental to our Christiformity process and why it matters so much in the lives of every single Christian, uh, let's go to the Bible and let's see what Jesus had to say about the church. And in fact, Jesus was the first one, and then we're going to look at the passage today where he for the first time used this word, this Greek word ekklesia for church, where he used it for the first time. If you will go in your Bible with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, it says this, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said to him, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Again, that's Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Now let's begin to look at this incredible passage. So Jesus and the disciples have taken a trip. They're all the way up at Caesarea Philippi, which is kind of outside of their range. It was one of the longest trips that they had taken. And when they get there, Jesus asked them this very important question. He says, who do you say I am? Now what I want you to understand today, that is one of the keys to unlock what a church is all about. Because it's very interesting that it was in that context that Jesus introduces this concept of of a local church in the body of Christ in the context of who do we say Jesus is. In other words, what we're going to find out today is the church is called primarily to show the world, tell the world, demonstrate to the world who Jesus Christ is. That's where this question took place. Let's take a look at that word church. So the word church in our English Bibles comes from a Greek word, ekklesia. Now, what was this word that Jesus grabbed to describe what he was instituting as the church, the ecclesia? Well, the word ecclesia is actually a Greek word, and it meant an official gathering. And this official gathering was normally for civic purposes. So the word ecclesia had been thrown around in the Greek world for a long time. It meant when people who had authority got together, an official people. This would happen in cities, towns. It was like a town hall meeting. That was called an ecclesia when they gathered for a certain purpose in an official way. And now you begin to get some context for the word church. Because what we have oftentimes is people will say, well, a church can be anything. A church can just be some people who love Jesus that get together in a room. Well, that's the church. And, and see, there's a little more to it than that. In fact, there's a lot more to it than that. We have a word that we use in the, in the theological and church world. It's called uh, ecclesiology. And what ecclesiology means is the study of the church. And it's very important that we understand what the Bible would teach us about ecclesiology. So that's where Jesus grabs this word from, this Greek word, ecclesia. So what's the difference between an ecclesia, the way the Greeks did it, and the way Jesus did it? Because Jesus obviously is giving us a whole new context for this word that he grabbed from the Greeks. Now, the New Testament's going to flesh it out for us. We're going to look at several of those passages today. But when you take the New Testament, you put it all together, we have a working definition we'll give you today. What is a biblical church? Not just a church, not just an ecclesia, like people getting together for an official purpose. That was the Greeks. What does the Bible mean when it says an ecclesia, a church? It means this. A church, an ecclesia, is a gathering community of regenerated believers 
who display the characteristics that accompany following Jesus. Now that's important because while the Greek idea of ecclesia could, could simply be a one-time meeting, the idea of the church where Jesus, the disciples, the apostles, and it's been passed down to us, our concept, the biblical concept of the church in an ecclesia is an ongoing gathering. So what you see is when you look at the scriptures, and the Bible tells us in the New Testament, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Uh, what is clear is the biblical church gathers. That is an important part of who we are. So what I would say right out of the gate is we are a group of people that agree on who Jesus is. Our primary purpose is to show the world, tell the world who Jesus is as we live out uh, His kingdom in our lives. But one thing that is important is this gathering part of it. An ecclesia gathers. They get together. And now this means that if we can, we get together in person. Certainly, that's a powerful, important thing. But as we join together today online, this is certainly a form of gathering. And during the COVID pandemic, it has forced us at times to only be able to gather online. So the beauty of the ecclesia, the church, is that we need consistent gathering in the best possible way we can. So what that means is if uh, the health opportunities and uh, the situations allow and you are physically able and you're geographically able to get to a building where you are literally physically with other believers, we think that's best. We think that's awesome and if you can, do it. But we also understand at times that just can't happen. And we've experienced that during a prolonged period of time uh, during the pandemic. So many of you feel uh, comfortable and fearful to go into a building. You feel comfortable gathering online. That is incredible. What we would say to you is continue to be consistent with that because this thing called the church is so crucial to our lives. So at Three Circle, we gather online and in person as the church, as an ecclesia. So now that we know a little bit about the word, a little bit about what it means, let's begin to dive deeper. What is the foundation of the church? What is this thing built on? Let's take a look at the foundation of the church right now. So as we continue to take a look at the church, let's further examine the verses where we saw the word and the idea and the concept of an ecclesia introduced to us. In Matthew 16, listen to what Jesus had to say. Jesus said, "...upon this rock I will build my church." Now, there have been some who have confused this and believed that he was saying he would build the church on the foundation of Peter. But that's not what he's saying. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, you are Peter. You are going to have a part to play in this. But he says, I am the rock. The Bible is clear that the rock, the cornerstone, the foundation of the church is Jesus. And what Jesus is saying to Peter is, you need to remember, you're a part of this thing, but I'm the foundation upon this rock. Jesus was talking about himself. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, the Bible further supports this. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11, as we establish this. Listen, write it down if you want. If you're taking notes right there where you are, the church is built on Jesus. Jesus is the foundation of this house called the church, this family called the church. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11. For we, us, the family of God, are God's fellow workers. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, you are God's field, you're also God's building. 
So if you can begin to see the church in these visual terms that Paul gave us to help us understand. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. So what Paul's saying is, hey, every time someone plants a church and they do it biblically, there's a foundation laid. But what is the foundation? He says, let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So if you want clarity on what Jesus was talking about in the book of Matthew on who the rock is, you get it in the New Testament. Always allow the Bible to commentate upon itself. Rather than coming up with some idea to try to figure out what it means, all you have to do is keep reading the Bible. And here in 1 Corinthians, it's clear who the foundation of the church is. Now that's important for us to remember because in a modern age, uh, we can be personality-driven sometimes. You get a charismatic leader, you get a good location, you build a great building, maybe you build a big church. But that's actually not the way the Bible describes it. Uh, the church is not built on great communicators and great personalities. It's not built on great... Uh, concepts for church growth and, and, and great uh, locations. The church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And it's very important that we remember that, that we're about Jesus, that we point to Jesus, uh, that we want to know Jesus more. That's why this series is called Christiformity. The main piece of what we're doing as a church is trying to create environments for people to become more like Jesus. Every event we do, whether it's for men, women, children, students, whether it's for old or young light, we are trying to create environments for people to grow in their faith and to become more and more like Christ. In other words, we're trying to create blacksmith shops all around our communities and in our churches for people to become more like Jesus. It's important that we remember that the church is not built on big leaders, personalities, all of that. Because remember, Peter, that's why Jesus made that clarification. Peter was a charismatic powerhouse leader, incredible preacher, bring the house down with his communication skills, led every room he was in, including the 12 disciples. Peter was an unbelievable man. But Jesus wanted to make clear, Peter, this thing's not built on you. It's built on me. I'm the rock. And it won't be built on the backs of other great personalities and great leaders into the future of the church. Jesus is making clear, and it's good for all of us to remember. The church is built on Jesus. Listen, I love pastoring the church where I am, Three Circle Church, but I am completely aware and I fully accept and embrace the fact that I won't forever be the pastor at Three Circle Church. One day, I won't be able to do it anymore. By God's grace, I'll do it for a long, long time. But one day, I'm going to get to the point where i got to pass the torch to someone else. And, and it will be very clear that the church was never about me or any of the current leaders that we have at Three Circle Church. Uh, the church, Three Circle Church, all about Jesus, is built on Jesus. He is the foundation. If we'll remember that, we'll continue to create great environments where Christiformity can happen in all of our churches. The next thing we need to remember is one of the great purposes of the church that comes forward in these passages we read from Matthew 16. Remember the context. The first thing Jesus says to them is this, Who do people say that I am? Now that's a huge question because then He says to them, Who do you say I am? And I think that's the question for every single church, every single biblical ecclesia. It's the big question for Three Circle. Who are we telling the world Jesus is? What are we telling them? What are we showing them that Jesus is? And so what I want you to see is a purpose of the church is this. We are to celebrate when we gather, and we are to demonstrate 
by serving and being on mission who Jesus is. We celebrate it in worship and in gathering, and we demonstrate it in how we love, serve, and live on mission. That's the point of the church. That's what we're supposed to be all about, to know God and to make Him known. It's the incredible purpose of the biblical ecclesia. So as a church, we always want to let that be, if you will, our North Star, the thing that's guiding us forward. And it's important that we get it right. We can't just tell the world any old story about Jesus. It needs to be rooted in the revelation of God, the Word of God. We need to be accurate with it. We need to get better and better at communicating it. It's why you are watching right now uh, a very produced version of what we'll do on the weekend because we feel like this is the most effective way to communicate to you in our online gathering. Uh, we want to figure out the best ways. We have a, an incredible team of creative and skilled people to try to communicate this message about Jesus to you the best way we can. Why? Because it matters. It really does matter who we say Jesus is. It matters who we're teaching our kids that Jesus is. And listen, if you're not careful, you'll let the world decide that for you. That's why it's important that you and your family are involved in a church, online or in person. But your kids need to be taught the biblical testimony about who Jesus is. If not, uh, they may grow up thinking he's a good man, but doesn't really change my life. Uh, do they understand that Jesus is God? Do they understand who he is? Remember, Jesus' question to that first idea of the ecclesia was this, who do you say I am? And it's the question for each one of us today. In fact, it's the biggest question that we need to answer in life. Who do we believe Jesus is? But then as a church, we need to be sure that we are answering that question to the world around us. Who is Jesus? How are we celebrating it when we worship? And how are we demonstrating to the world who Jesus is? And we at Three Circle believe that Jesus is God. We believe that He is the full and amazing, fully incarnated Son of God. Fully human, fully divine. He is our King and our Lord. We believe that. We teach that. We believe that that is a key to this idea, this New Testament concept known as Christiformity. So as we look at this idea of a church, the Bible continues to help us understand this idea. Jesus introduced the idea there in Caesarea Philippi, the ecclesia, the church, that will be built on Him, the foundation. But in another place, Jesus further explains what our churches are supposed to be like. You see, oftentimes I think we get this idea that a church is like a club that you go and get a membership to and then you just kind of get all the benefits and, and that's what it's all about. Or, or maybe we've got this idea that a church is an event. It's something that we uh, attend and it's something we show up for, like a concert or a ball game, right? But that is not the biblical idea of the church. Listen, a church is not an event you attend. It is a family you are a part of. That is what a church is. And it's very important that we understand that the church is supposed to show the world what the kingdom of God is all about. Jesus was asked by His disciples to teach them how to pray. And in that prayer, He said these words, Matthew 6.10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I want to tell you, the church has an integral part to play in that prayer and in that phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now listen, you need to understand that in our world today, the will of God, the perfect kingdom will of God is not done everywhere. This is a sinful, fallen world. The world does not look the way God wanted it to look. Sin entered the picture. 
And the book of Genesis describes that for us. So what has God done? Well, through the church, what He has done is He has set up what we'll call outposts, if you will, of His kingdom all over the world. That's what a church is supposed to be. See, the kingdom of God, if you wonder what that is when He says, your kingdom come, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus in the hearts and lives of His people. It's not castles and moats. It's not whatever idea you have of the kingdom. It's His rule and reign. Listen to what He said in Luke 17. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, watch this, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus made this really clear. Jesus was saying that the kingdom of God is not kingdoms like you've seen before, like any of us would be familiar with. The kingdom of God is not property and boundaries and castles and kings. The kingdom of God is a king, and it's his rule and reign in our hearts. Every time you see a Christian living out what it would be like in heaven on earth, that's where, that's where the kingdom of God can be seen, can be felt. And so where should that happen? That should happen in our churches. See, as we gather together as believers and we become more like Jesus, Christiformity, what we do is we form these outposts in a fallen world for the world to be able to look and say, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. In fact, it should work a lot like an embassy. I love our country. The United States of America all over the world has embassies. Now, what that means is if you find a United States embassy somewhere else in the world... Even though it may be in another country, it's not in the actual borders of the United States, if you get to that embassy on that ground where that U.S. embassy is, that is the United States. So if you go observe what they're doing inside that embassy, even though it may be in another country, in another culture, what you're going to find is the laws, the customs, and all of those things for the United States apply inside that embassy. That embassy is showing the world right there in that spot, this is what the United States looks like. This is how we do things. This is how we operate. That is the exact idea for the kingdom of God in the church, in the world. Every single church, including Three Circle, is like an embassy from heaven. This isn't heaven. This is a fallen world. But this is the way it's supposed to work. When you step into a location or when you join online with a group of people, you're showing the world, hey, this is what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. And within that framework, we get to show the world who Jesus is. How's, how's the world going to know who He is? And how's the world going to see what the kingdom of God is like? They should be able to see it in the church. They should see us operate, how we talk, how we interact, how we do life. And they go, that is the kingdom of God. That is one of the great purposes of the church. Let me tell you a few more ways that we can be an embassy of heaven here as we show the world what the will of God looks like on earth, what the kingdom of God looks like on earth. So a few ways we do this, a few ways we show the world what the kingdom of God looks like is, first of all, we love each other. The Bible's clear that we are to love each other in the church. So as the world looks on like a person in another country would peer into the doorways of one of the United States embassies to see what Americans look like and how they do life, well, the world's supposed to be able to look at the church and go, man, look how they love each other so well. They serve each other and encourage each other. They're there for one another. The New Testament's full of one another commands. And that's not just for us. It's for us to show the world who Jesus is and show the world His kingdom. Another thing that we're to do as the church is we're supposed to show the world how we handle conflict. 
You see, when you get a bunch of people together, especially like the church, the church is meant to be diverse in every way, diverse culturally, diverse racially, diverse socioeconomically, diverse sometimes in the way we see the world. What we agree on is the Bible and who Jesus is, right? So the world is supposed to see, when they look at a church, how conflict is handled inside the kingdom of God, that we forgive one another, that we confront one another with truth and grace, that we don't talk about one another behind our backs, but we actually uh, talk to one another. These are all wonderful things that we're supposed to show the world. Recon radical reconciliation, serving one another, assuming the best of one another. And as the world begins to see that, guess what happens? They're drawn to it because that is not how they do it in the world. They're supposed to be able to see the kingdom of God in our churches. Not only that, but the world, as they look into these embassies, the churches of heaven, uh, they're supposed to be able to see how we care for people, how we care for the sick, how we care for the poor, how we care for uh, the widow and uh, the homeless and uh, the child who doesn't have people to watch over them, uh, the orphan. We see this throughout the Bible, the least of these. See, that's why churches must be missional in every possible way because the world looks at us and they go, what does the kingdom of God look like? And they're supposed to be able to see it in us. Also, the world's supposed to be able to peer into the doorways of the church and see that in heaven, Jesus is king, Lord. He is honored and he is worshiped. He is the king. Not personalities, not other people. Jesus is preeminent. He's central. They're supposed to be able to see that. Passionate worship, committed worship, consistency. Does the world see that when they look into the doorways of our church? That's so important. So you see... Our calling is to show the world who He is. We are embassies of heaven on this earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our hope, our aim as a church in this Christiformity finale today is that we would be a church online and in person, small groups, everything we do, that we would be a church that shows the world this is what the kingdom of God looks like in every way and that we would pursue that because we're not perfect. This is a process, but that more and more and more we would in every way look like heaven, that we would show the world this is what it looks like. We would show that in the way we handle racial reconciliation. We would show that in the way we handle marriage and relationships, how we handle sexuality, how we handle the mission God's given us. In every single way, we want to be a church that people can look online and in person and go, that's what it looks like. That must be what heaven's like. That must be, that must be what Jesus is like. And in a way, we tell the world who Jesus is. We are heaven's embassies on this earth. So for the next few moments, let's take a look at why every single Christian needs a local church. Every Christian needs a local church. One great author said once that, look, churches aren't perfect, but it's still the best place to be a Christian. I think that's so true. The best place to be a Christian is in a local church. And it's clear in the Bible that, that it's expected of Christians, commanded of believers to be a part of a local church. I want to tell you some reasons why. First of all, you cannot experience all that God wants for you apart from a church. Now notice I didn't say you couldn't be a Christian. It's not required to be in a church to be a believer. You, that, that only requires that you know Christ as your Savior. But there will be an immediate desire to be a part of a church as you grow in your Christiformity. You can't experience all that God wants for you. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, Now you are 
the body of Christ. Now, that means once you come to Jesus, you're not just saved from something, you're saved into something. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually you're members of it. So it doesn't mean you lose your autonomy. It just means that you add to your autonomy as an individual this being part of a group. You're part of a family now. You're still you. You still have your personality. Listen, the church is not called to uniformity in the New Testament. It's called to unity in the New Testament. And we unify around the gospel. We unify around the person of Christ. We unify around the things the Bible commands us to do. But the personalities are still intact. We're still individuals. I love that. Listen, if you come to Three Circle, you'll find, and if you're gathering with us online and interact with people, you'll find that we're all very different. We all come from different places, different backgrounds. We speak different languages often. We have different colored skin. We are from all over the world. Socioeconomically, we're different. Our careers are different, and yet we come together at the the place of the cross and the grace of Jesus, and we need each other, and we have each other in this family of God. Here's another thing you need to understand. The reason you need a church is because spiritual growth happens best in a church. It happens best. I'm not saying that you cannot grow anywhere else. I'm just telling you, here's where you grow the best, the fastest. Christiformity happens best in the context of the local church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So God gave all of these gifts in the church, teachers, preachers, ministers, all these different things to equip the body. So for you to be strong, you need to be in an environment where these things are happening to equip the body of Christ, to build up the body of Christ, to make you strong. I'm telling you, spiritual growth happens best in the context of a church. Another reason that every Christian needs a local church is that it provides protection from the attacks of the enemy and from the temptation of believing false teaching. Listen to what Ephesians 4, 13 through 14. Again, we're just looking at a few verses here in Ephesians. It says this, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Notice, not uniformity. We don't all look alike, but we have unity around the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You see where we unify? We unify around those things. To mature manhood, that means we're growing up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's Christiformity. We are growing into the image of Christ. Look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Listen, church, one of the most important things we can do is we hold each other accountable to believe the right things, to be a biblical church where biblical teaching takes place and sometimes biblical correction We teach the Bible at Three Circle Church from babies uh, through the oldest of ages. We teach the Bible, and sometimes that means maybe things you grew up with, maybe things you've watched or read, maybe it gets corrected. Sometimes that can even be painful and uncomfortable where you go, man, I've believed the wrong thing for a long time. Well, join the crowd because I've believed some wrong things too in the past. And and God, through through the beauty of His Word, corrected those things. But false teaching is one of the great attacks from the enemy to infiltrate the church with believing wrong things. That's why we want to have the purity of the Word of God in our church, and we want to grow strong into the image of Christ. Also, another reason that you need a local church is for the fellowship with other believers. It's just impossible to describe how important it is that you have fellowship with other believers. 
We simply need each other. Uh, listen to this verse in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Listen, here's a good way to say it. This is how powerful the church is. If you're in a church, online or in person, if you're in a church, your grief gets divided and your joy gets multiplied. That's what this verse is saying. When we hurt, we hurt together, meaning that the weight becomes less heavy because we're all carrying it together. And when you rejoice, you rejoice together and it's multiplied your joy because you're not just rejoicing on your own, rejoicing with other believers. It's very powerful to have fellowship with other believers. And then finally, finally, the Bible's clear that when you're a part of a local church, together we get to reach the world for Christ and advance the kingdom of God. Let's look back at those verses we read originally when Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi. At the end, he says a powerful phrase. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, against the biblical ecclesia. Now, what does that mean? What well, do you understand what gates are for? I always heard that what that means is hell and Satan and all the minions of Satan are attacking the church and, and the gates will, will hold them back. But if you understand, gates are about defense, not about offense. So what you need to understand, what this is saying is not that the kingdom of hell is advancing on the church. What it's saying is, is the church is advancing on the kingdom of hell and that the gates of hell, in other words, the, the defensive system of hell cannot withstand the forward, offensive, vibrant, radical, earth-shaking power of the church, the ecclesia. That's what that means. That means we are on mission. We have a purpose. We are going to take ground for the kingdom of God. And that doesn't mean we build another building or get more property. No, the, the main thing that means is we keep one by one, one heart at a time, one soul at a time, one orphan, one poor person at a time, one rich person at a time, one more mission trip, one more youth event, one more men or women event where one more person crosses the line of faith and begins to be formed in the blacksmith shop of God. That's one more time that we get to say we've advanced the kingdom of God against the kingdom of hell. It's a pretty awesome thing that we get to be a part of. And Jesus says if we will stay in this beautiful community called the church. No, listen, nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop us. Here at Three Circle Church, we are a few things that are very important. We're biblical, we're multi-generational, and we're missional. It means this, at Three Circle, online and in person, whatever, whatever age group you are, first of all, we're going to be about the Bible. We're biblical. The Bible drives everything we do. Everything we do. Secondly, we're multi-generational. People ask me sometimes, are you guys just reaching one generation? Absolutely not. In fact, it's clear the picture of the early church is a picture of old and young alike worshiping together. The young folks at our church need desperately the older people to pour into their lives. And the older people need desperately the energy and vibrancy of the young in our church. That's what a church looks like. That's why we don't have our church broken up into here's the young crowd's worship service and here's the older crowd's worship service. We don't do it that way. All of our worship services are the same and they have an integration of ages because we are multi-generational on purpose in every single way. Because you know what? I just think the 25-year-old dad who uh, just had his first child with his wife, they need the 75-year-old couple who have raised kids and know how to pour into their lives. I love that I can sit in a worship service or join one online 
and see people of all ages and all backgrounds. We're multi-generational. And then finally, we're missional. We're a church on mission. We are marching in every community, at every campus, online, all over the world. We are forever marching forward and advancing the kingdom of God. Sometimes that looks like mission trips. Sometimes it looks like working with our local officials to provide health care for people in our area. Sometimes it looks like equipping people through small groups to reach their own communities and their workplace. But here's what I can tell you. We'll never stop at Three Circle. We'll never stop marching forward. We'll never stop being the church because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So today, my question to you is, do you value and understand the local church? As we close the Christiformity series, you need to understand the best place for you to become like Jesus is the local church.